Hello, folks, and welcome to the Braden Redshaw Podcast. I'm happy to announce that every Saturday night, there will be a new episode out, so be sure to tune in and have a listen. It will be a new consistent schedule as things have opened up more due to COVID-19 and the Nova Scotia-wide provincial shutdown. Today's episode is about the NBA Play-In Tournament, a new feature to the NBA playoffs that gives the 9th and 10th seeded teams a chance to make the big dance, and the 8th seed a chance to move up and take the 7th seed. It was first implemented last season during the NBA bubble in Orlando, Florida. However, it was quite rough around the edges and only the Western Conference got to have the playing games. This year, the league did a little bit of polishing to the play-in tournament and it has made it much smoother. The Eastern Conference competitors this year are the 7th seed Boston Celtics, the 8th seed Charlotte Hornets, the 9th seed Indiana Pacers, and the 10th seed Washington Wizards. Out West, the 7th seed belongs to the reigning NBA champs, the LA Lakers. The 8th seed belongs to last year's loser of the playing games, Memphis Grizzlies. The Golden State Warriors have the 9th seed, and the Spurs have the 10th seed. Personally, I like this idea of the play-in tournament. Um, Golden State and Spurs are both right there fighting for the 7th and 8th seed. Um, The Lakers and Memphis are trying to hold them off. And in the East, it's really just... Boston's a little bit ahead of everybody else, but Charlotte is still trying to hold off Indiana and the Wizards. So it's a really good chance to just show the teams who didn't make the playoffs but are still there are really good and they can hold their own. But they, they can't make it realistically, so let's do something to where they can make it. The format of the tournament is for both sides is the 7th seed plays the 8th seed. The winner in that game will get the 7th seed. So that means in the West, they would end up facing the Phoenix Suns. In the East, they would end up facing the Brooklyn Nets. Either way, not easy. Most likely the 2 seed will have the win, but the, seven, the new 7th seed might get a few games in on them, which would be pretty cool. And who knows, there might be some upsets. I, I like upsets, even in March Madness, and in the NBA as well. It's just a little harder in the NBA because it's a seven-game series. The team that's above always has a deeper bench, always has the star players. It's just really hard to win four games over a team like the Suns or the Nets. The ninth seed plays the tenth seed, and the winner of that game goes on to play the loser of the seventh and eighth seed. And then the winner of the 9-10 and the loser of the 7-8 play for the 8th seed. So it could end up being the 7th seed, the original 7th seed plays the 10th seed, and the 10th seed gets the 8th seed, and the original 7th seed ends up not even making the playoffs. I love, like, I know I've mentioned this before, but I really like this idea because there's the teams that could be actually on a hot streak where they've won their last so many games compared to a team who was originally like the fifth seed and they've taken a tumble down and they're starting to fall down but because of their earlier record in the season they will get in and the team who honestly is playing probably maybe some of the best basketball in the whole league doesn't get to play in the playoffs which is actually kind of disappointing so this kind of wraps that all up and i hope that in the next seasons they decide to continue it so pretty much i'm going to discuss the four teams on each side of the bracket where I think they're going to finish, why they're where they are, and what went well and what went right for them. So let's get right into that. Let's kick things off in the East, why don't we? So the seventh seed, as I mentioned before, are the Boston Celtics. 
This is honestly really disappointing for them since they made the conference finals last year and were really close to making the finals again for the second time in three years when they had Kyrie. Well, Kyrie was injured, but they had Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris. They had a really good team that year. And then last year in the bubble, they almost made it as well, but they ran into the Miami Heat, and we all know how that ended for them. As I said, it was an overall disappointing season for them. Honestly, Boston should be finishing in the top three every season. They have all the talent in the world they could want. They have probably one of the top two young players in the NBA in Jason Tatum. They have a great number two star to go alongside him, Jalen Brown. Unfortunately for this, Jalen Brown is going to be out with a wrist injury. But luckily, they did make a trade to get Evan Fournier at the end of the trade deadline. And he has helped out tremendously. He's averaging about 15 points a game for them. Um, Kemba Walker just sucks for them. It was an originally good idea when they first got him because the Kyrie situation wasn't working out and they still needed a point guard. So shipping out Kyrie and bringing in Kemba was a good idea at first, but now Kemba is falling off the rails like a broken choo-choo train. They have a lot to work. They have a lot of work to do if they want to compete in the East, as I said before, as they once have. Really, all they need to do is focus on building around Tatum, have Brown in the pitcher, but be willing to trade him for the right guys. Marcus Smart is not is not even there for them. He can't be in the pitcher. He can't score. He's an okay defender. Everybody overhypes his defense. He flops a lot, makes a lot of stupid plays. He just he's not as good as people make him out to be. The rotational guys are okay. They have a some good young pieces like Romeo Langford. Carson Edwards, I mean, Taco Fall, he's there, but he's he's not going to be anything special. Um, Peyton Pritchard, he's really good. I like him. Grant Williams has fallen out of rotation, but sometimes he always just sneaks in there, gives you a 12 and 10, which you can use every single night. But those young guys, the rotational guys, I think are going to be really key in, this, um, in their playoff game against Charlotte with everything staying the same. Because if they win that game, they get extra time to rest. If they lose that game, they have to then go play another game. Which, if they lose, that depth of young, the depth of youth is going to become huge. But luckily, I think they'll be okay. I think there's nobody on Charlotte who can guard Tatum. So my prediction is, I think they do get the seventh seed. They keep their spot and they go and they play the Nets. It's not going to go well for them. The Nets are going to run through them. Um, you can't stop Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie all in one night. Not to mention now. They have Blake Griffin, and they still have the guy who just sits in the corner, a.k.a. Joe Harris. Um, Boston just has to do more. When you look at their team on paper, you don't think they have to do a whole lot more. They have so much talent, as I've already mentioned. But it's just not working out for them, whatever they're trying. They just need to hit a reset button and say, these two guys are our stars, which should be Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Let's get some other guys. Let's throw a few guys in a package. Let's go get a third star for them. Let's bring in these other rotational guys who are okay with not being the number one guy. And let's roll with there and see what we get from there. So hopefully for them, my prediction's right, and they do keep their seventh seed. And who knows, they might even give Brooklyn a run for their money. Another bad thing about Boston is they just can't string things together. Like Tatum has these 60-point games, these 50-plus-point games. And they'll win two or three in a row. And then they'll lose two or three in a row. And it just makes those games worth nothing. It was like Bradley Beal at the start of this year for the Wizards. 
he was just trying his best to help the Wizards just win some games. He'd be scoring 50 points almost, I think it was three games in a row, he scored 40 plus points, and the Wizards lost all those games. But eventually, they kicked it together. Boston just hasn't done that, honestly. They don't know what they're doing out there half the time. They hope that every single time they can rely on Tatum to go score, which sometimes it works, but obviously sometimes he can't go one-on-five and he needs other guys to do things. But if they can get a half-good Kemba Walker and at least some role players who can score consistently and not have 20 points one night and then zero points on 0-for-12 shooting other nights, you know who I'm talking about if you do know what I'm saying there, um, then they would actually have a better seed and wouldn't have to worry about in the play-in tournament. As I mentioned before, I think their young guys are going to be really important when it comes to going maybe past the first round, getting cleanly through the play-in tournament, that the young guys are going to be awesome, or they have to be awesome, to actually have that opportunity. And probably the one that they're going to look at the most is Peyton Pritchard. He's had a really solid rookie season, wasn't a high draft pick. I think he was around number, he was in the 20s. I know that for a fact. He's had some really solid games where he scored 25 plus points. But then he's had other nights where he's scored three. So he has to really work with that consistency kink. But as of right now, he just needs to get on a little bit of a hot streak where he can score 10 plus a night, hit some big shots, play in the clutch. And the Boston Celtics are going to be right there. Well, not right there. Of course, the Nets are going to steamroll them, but they're going to be right there eventually. At the 8th seed, we have the Charlotte Hornets, who will be Boston's opponent in the first playing game. The Hornets have had a surprisingly good season, especially since they just had the number 3 pick in in the past draft. Lamella Ball, who was the number 3 pick, is the perfect fit in their roster. He gels well with Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, Gordon Hayward, Devontae Graham, Bismack Biombo. Everyone, they all benefit from, from having Lamella Ball there. The one man who has benefited the most is Terry Rozier. Rozier signed on to the Hornets from Boston a few seasons ago to get out of Kyrie Irving's spotlight and to be the star that he truly thought he was. For the past few seasons, it didn't really look like it, but when Lamella showed up, it certainly did. This season, he's averaging 20.5 points per game. It's honestly really, really good. And he's only going to continue to get better because now he doesn't have to worry about taking care of the point guard privileges and he can worry about being the pure scorer. Lamelo has taken care of carrying the ball up, making the good passes, providing about 15 points a game. He's also averaging, I think, around 6 or 7 rebounds a game. He is six foot seven, so you do expect it. But he has been the X factor for the Hornets all year. They really missed him, especially when he had the wrist injury. They were around the 4th or 5th seed, I believe, and then he had the injury, and they fall down to the 8th. But he's back, he's got them back in the playoffs, and they're going to be fighting hard against Boston. Um, Other than the top guys like Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, LaMelo, Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, and Gordon Hayward, they honestly don't have a whole lot of talent behind those guys. There's Cody and Caleb Martin, um, one of the Zeller brothers, but... They're all just not very good, so they have like the good top six who can compete, but after that, it's just gone to hell in a handbasket for them, honestly. They are a very solid defensive team, I can say, though. They don't let the ball get past them, and if it gets past them, they do have big guys inside who can slow down the ball. Not necessarily the big men can block the shots, but they can slow it down and give it time to maybe kick, get a kick out, get a reset on your defense, and 
and just stay in front. One of their weaknesses, though, is they don't really have a star player who they can go to when the going gets tough and they need a big shot. Rogier is their top scorer, but he's honestly just not fitted for that role yet, and Gordon Hayward isn't that guy anymore. So if it gets down in big possessions, they're really going to have to rely on miracles sometimes, but most teams do, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But in the playing games, you sometimes only have one shot. Luckily for the Hornets, if they lose the first game against Boston, they do have that redemption game to get the 8th seed, which in a regular world they would have. But sometimes the miracles can't happen back-to-back, or they don't happen for you at all. So if they're hoping and praying on one at the end of a game to sneak by Boston or stay ahead of Indiana or Washington, it might not happen, and they might be shit out of luck sitting there in June watching the playoffs happen instead of participating in them. They are talented enough. If you look at their roster and you think about it from player one down to their last guy who normally plays for them, they deserve to be in the playoffs. They have a very strong, capable roster. And as I mentioned before, good on defense. Their shooting isn't phenomenal. With the loss of Malik Monk, of course, he's out for the year or he's been suspended due to um, drug issues. However, um, he lowered their shooting, but they've found a way to get around it. Players who don't shoot as well are shooting better, um, but they don't really have like a sharp shooter to go to. Hayward doesn't shoot awesome from three, if you're talking sharpshooter-wise. Rozier is more of a slashing point guard. Lamelo, he's not horrible from three, but I wouldn't trust my life on him to make a three in a game. Um, PJ Washington, he's not a very good three-point shooter. Neither is Miles Bridges. So if they are down three or four and they need a three, I'm not going to really put my trust in them. I think Devontae Graham could be their best player to do that. He did it all last year for them countless amounts of times. He'd hit the big three-point shot or he'd make the big shot at the end of games. He honestly is one of their go-to guys at the end of games. So don't be surprised if you see maybe even a four-point guard. Well, I mean, Lamelo's not really a point guard. He's 6'7", so he can play the wing. But don't be surprised if sometimes if you see Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, Lamelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, PJ, a smaller lineup just so that they can get some perimeter shots up. They lose a hell of a lot of rebounding, but they really don't do that in the first place anyway. They're on the lower end of the rebounds, but they do get... LaMelo gives them good rebounds. PJ does okay. Miles Bridges does okay. But their big men just aren't strong, and that's one of their biggest weaknesses. Biombo and Zeller just aren't very good. Like, they can't block a lot of shots. They don't score well in the post. It's it's just a too big of a weakness for them to make any run. And especially against Boston, where sometimes Tristan Thompson... Robert Williams, Grant Williams, if he plays, they just really don't have anybody who can go in there and stop them or go down low and score if you need a quick or if you just need a strong bucket to get some momentum back. I think that the Hornets are going to be out of luck and that they're going to end up being the ninth seed, which would knock them out of the playoffs. So that means I think they're going to lose to Boston and then lose to the winner of Indiana Washington, which sucks for them. But honestly, this is a great building block year for them. I think they do need a few more players before they really start trying to contend. And who knows where they would have been if Lamelo didn't get hurt. They probably wouldn't have to worry about the playing game. But what happens, happens, and we're moving on from there, just as they are. Next up, we got the first of two teams, so we're going to have to play two games anyway. The ninth seed, Indiana Pacers. 
once again, Indiana does everything by the book. Really strong roster, good depth, has guys who can score in bunches when they need them to. Solid play all around, but the talent is just not there. Sabonis is having a great career since leaving the Thunder. He's really starting to thrive. He's starting to make those massive leaps. This year he was an all-star. Really good for him. Congratulations to him again. Um, and he just is getting help way too late. Malcolm Brogdon was an addition that they made last year. He's panned out quite well. He's averaging about 21 points a game. Um, and they did get Karis LeVert this year in the giant James Harden trade, which that trade still baffles me. And he only played a little bit because he did have uh, cancerous growth on, I believe it was his liver. So he was out for a while, had to get the MRI, then he had to get cleared to play, which took him way longer. And honestly, if they had him sooner, they, in the same boat as Charlotte, if Lamelo's injury didn't happen, they might not have to had to have worried about the playing games. A big loss for them, though, was TJ Warren. He was very, very good for them last season in the bubble. He was maybe one of he was one of the top five players in the bubble last year. He was averaging, I think, like 35 points in the bubble, had a 53-point game. And the sports world was loving him, and after four games, he got hurt, and that really left a big chink in their defensive armor. The wing and the wing defense got worse, the guard defense got worse. Brogdon's a good defender, but when you got guys like Justin Holiday, Doug McDermott, um, Aaron Holiday, Cassius Stanley, he's okay, but he doesn't really play a whole lot. Um, the defense just isn't there. Like if you had TJ Warren, who could get some stops for you. He was also their tough guy. He would not be afraid to go jaw at some of the other players. That's what they're missing this year. They don't have that guy who can just go say, all right, I'm going to go play defense on this guy. I'm going to get in his head. I'm going to go score my buckets, but I'm going to also be a really good team player. They don't have that guy this year. They have to just rely on, I hope our system works, because if it doesn't, we're fucked. But it's just what happens sometimes. That's what the downside of injuries are. They're honestly like a more developed Charlotte Hornets team in my eyes. I really just see them as what the Hornets could be. Like, of course, Lamelo is not going to be a post player like Sabonis. And the Hornets' upside is probably way higher than what the Pacers are currently at because lots of their better players are a lot younger. It's like Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, LaMelo Ball. But the Pacers, I think Sabonis is like 27 or 28. I think he could be 26 as well. Brogdon, he was old when he won Rookie of the Year. He was like 23. So now he's like, I think he's 27 or 28. He could be even 29. Levert isn't young either. He's about 28, 29. So their window is, it opened, but now it's starting to close because all these other teams in the East, they have these really young superstar players who are going to be amazing for them. And the Pacers are just kind of sitting there treading water. Like even three years, two two years ago, it was two years ago, they played Boston. It was the 4-5 matchup. And everybody thought, oh, they, they can get by Boston. All oh, the chemistry issues and talent just don't beat them they couldn't stop them but unfortunately once again it's the same thing you have the talent you have your system but there's other teams that are just so much more talented than them um i honestly think that if it comes down to it if they end up playing charlotte in the 8-9 game or the the winner and the loser game to get the eighth seed the charlotte would beat them even though that indiana looks like a better team on paper and their stats can be better, 
Charlotte would just play a better, more adaptable game where Indiana needs their system to work for them to be able to have success. When you need your system to work to have success, that is not how you win basketball games. You need to be able to, to adapt. You need to be able to make quick adjustments. They don't do that very well. That is one of their big weaknesses. And honestly, it's why they've treaded water for so long. They need to hit a reset button and say, is Sabonis our guy? The answer is maybe. He's the only guy where I would say, he's not really untouchable, but if you give us the right offer, yeah, we'll talk about it. Everybody else can go. They can all leave. You can reset the team. The Batiste fellow that you drafted a few years ago, he's not it. He's not it. He's in the mud. He's horrible. Um, you just need to make a one quick adjustment, and you might be able to get in the playoffs this year, but then you really got to think about what can we do to maybe compete? Do we need to reset? Do we need to go down and get more picks? Trade away some of our players, take a few years, and then come back and try to win games. It's something teams have done, and it has worked. Unfortunately, I think that their front office is too stubborn where they think, oh, we just had a bad year. It's not a bad year. If this is the best you can offer, which sometimes it looks like it, it's not what you can do. You need to go out. You need to make some changes, maybe even front office changes, but that might not happen. Anyway, the Pacers are just in the mud. They don't know what they're doing out there half the time, and honestly, I don't know what else to say about them. They're just not a great team. I would much rather see like a Chicago Bulls in the playing games who do sort of know what they're doing. They have interesting players. Nobody goes, let me watch an Indiana game so I can see Demonis Sabonis get 15 rebounds and score 20 points. People go, let me see the Chicago Bulls game so I can see what the hell Zach Levine's going to do tonight. If you don't have anything interesting, you're not going to get any new players. If you don't have anything that people go, I want to play with this guy, you're not going to get anything good. That's all I can say about Indiana. Honestly, as I said before, they're in the mud. They need to move on. Last but not least, we got the 10th seed, originally the 15th seed, but they hit a stride of good going, and here they are in the playing games. The 10th seed, Washington Wizards. As I said, rough start to say the least. The first two, first 10 games, they lost 8 of them. They lost 5 in a row to start, won 2, and lost 3. It just wasn't working. Westbrook wasn't playing awesome. He was also injured some of the times. And it looked like a, for a very long time that Bradley Beal was going to say, get me the fuck out of here. I do not want to be here. But he stuck with it. And that's honestly been his mentality for a very long time. He could have pulled a superstar move and said, nope, I do not want to be here. Let me go play with some other people who actually want to play. Not that the Wizards don't know how to play, but it was just they weren't playing good at all. They were all playing so bad. And Beal was just scoring like 40 plus a night trying to get them even to win by one. Luckily, Westbrook got over his injury hump. And ever since then, they had an eight game winning streak. They caught fire. They're having more fun as a team. They made a really good move at the trade deadline, which I'll talk about in a minute. And even with the loss of Thomas Bryant, who was having a really good year until he had a knee injury, which put him out for the year, um, they looked really good. They look really solid right now. And I think that they're going to make a lot of noise. Not in the playoffs, but in the playoff tournament, they're going to make a lot of noise. Um, the big move was getting Daniel Gafford. He was on the Bulls. He wasn't playing a whole lot. He was behind Wendell Carter and Laurie Markinen. So they went out, made a trade for him, because honestly, Robin Lopez sucks. 
Alex Len doesn't deserve to be playing basketball. And when Thomas Bryant got hurt, their big man location was very, very bare. So even though Gafford doesn't start for the Wizards, he comes in, scores a good amount, plays really good defense, gets rebounds, knows what he's doing out there, and he also provides good leadership as well, which is what the Wizards were lacking at some points, was leadership. Westbrook, he helped out with the leadership, but they really needed that third source, and Gafford provided it greatly. Now, one of their horrible things this year was their draft pick. Who the hell was he? Was it, I think, no, it was Denny Avija. That guy, I said it. I, I said it. I said he was going to be the bust, and he is a bust. Scoring six points a game as the eighth overall pick. I guarantee you, if they could go back, they would not pick him. I don't, I said he shouldn't be touched until at least the 20s. He'd be an okay pick in the 20s. But for some reason, the Wizards said, no, I like the guy who can score four points a game in Israel. Yeah. That's the 8th overall pick in the NBA draft. Horrible. Anyway, moving on from him. Westbrook has had a great year. Another triple-double average. Congratulations to him. Just took o- just took over Oscar Robertson for the most triple-doubles in NBA history. He's now at 182, I believe. I think, I think he's at 183 now. I think he had another one. But the record was 181. Passed him. I think he's at 183, or he could be at 182. I could be wrong as well. Westbrook was the player Beal needed. John Wall being out, it wasn't awesome having John Wall with Beal. Wall was a score-first point guard. Beal was a score-first shooting guard. It didn't really pan out the way that they could think it would. They had some good years, but honestly, Beal needed a like somebody who wants to get assists, somebody who can make plays, and Westbrook's just that kind of guy. He can make plays. He can get rebounds. He can score when needed to. Last year in Houston, he was one of the X-Factors for the reason why they were the fifth seed. Because he, honestly, was probably their best post player, even though he didn't play in the post. And they played really small. He led the team in rebounds last year, led the team in assists, was second in scoring. He's just a really solid overall player. And once again, second in the team in scoring, top playmaker, top rebound man. He's not having a horrible year from three either. He's actually shooting pretty okay from three. And from the field as well. On the past few years, he's had a little bit of a default. Not necessarily a default, but he just hasn't been shooting his best in the past few seasons. He had that really good MVP year. I think he shot close to 40% from three. But the past few years, he's just been going down and down and down. Now he's back trending upwards, which is something he needs to do to continue to play in the league. Now he can go and just score layups and free throws the whole time. But... To the where the to where the game is trending, you need to be able to consistently hit threes to continue to play. Now, if Westbrook was like six six compared to six three, that changes everything because then he can play more of a wing position, which is great because then he can still go in and get his rebounds. He can still make plays, but he's just not gifted in the height category. Not to say that he isn't like he's six three, but still NBA wise, he's just not gifted in the height category. If he was taller. He could be one of the best players of our generation. He still is, but he could be even better than he is. And honestly, I think that the Wizards are in a perfect situation right now. They're the 10th seed. They have nothing to lose. So if they lose to Indiana in the first game, everybody just goes, oh, they were the 10th seed. They were expected to lose. They expected to show up and lose. If they beat Indiana, then people can go, oh, Indiana failed. The Wizards actually beat them. And then if they win again, which is what I think they'll do, I think the Wizards will take the 8th seed. I think they'll beat Indiana handily. I think 
then they'll go on and beat Charlotte just because they have Bradley Beal and Westbrook. But then again, unfortunately, they will get stomped by the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers are just so good. I don't think any team in the play-in tournament could stand up to them. If you put Tatum, Beal, Westbrook, Jalen Brown, a healthy Jalen Brown, and Sabonis on the same team, and you have the middle ball, and all the best players, you put them all together, yeah, they could probably make the Eastern Conference Finals. But they would not be able to just go out there individually on their own teams and beat one of these teams. Which is really, really unfortunate. I think that they're actually like, some of these teams are actually really solid, and they just got dealt bad cards this year due to injuries or draft picks that didn't pan out. Cough, cough, Danny Avija, cough, cough. Um, but Washington, they have nothing to lose. They can go out there, shit the bed, not do anything, or they can go out, play really well, impress people, and maybe, maybe, which I hope, they sneak into the play They sneak in from the play tournament, I mean, to the actual big dance. That's what I hope. I hope all the best for the Wizards, and let's see if I'm right for them. That was it for the East. Um, let's move on to the West. Up first, we got the seven seed LA Lakers. There is honestly one word, two words that I can use to sum up the Lakers season. What the fuck happened? You just won the NBA title and you brought in better players than what you had last year. You dumped off your bad contracts. You got good players and you just go to shit. If I could laugh really, really well on the spot, I would be laughing my ass off. Like, you go from all of the shit-talking in the world, all of your fans saying, Lakers repeat, Lakers in five, more like Lakers were in the fifth seed, now maybe the Lakers won't even make the playoffs. Now, I know, there was injuries. LeBron James was out with an ankle sprain. He was also out with a few other injuries. Anthony Davis had a long stretch of injuries as well. They signed Andre Drummond. After his first game, he got injured as well. It was just like they were injury cursed. At one point, they had just like a YMCA basketball lineup as their starting five. And I I was watching that game and I go, for three out of the five starters, I said, who? And it's just, it's not even like, they're bad players, but all because of their big names, you just go, who are they? Like, who are these people that you are playing in this basketball game? You steal players away from other teams. You stole Montrezl Harrell away from the Clippers. You steal Marcus All away from the Raptors. Not that you stole him away. He was ready to go anyway. But it's just like, why do you do that? Like, you say all of this stuff about, we're going to repeat as NBA champions. There's nobody who can touch us. And here you are, you're going to be playing in the play-in tournament. Congratulations to Lakers fans, how does that one taste? Anyway, let's move on from all the injury stuff. Let's talk about what other stuff they fucked up on this year. Number one, not throwing Kyle Kuzma in the AD trade and keeping one of the other idiots. It, it looked like a good idea, honestly, until you realize Kuzma's not a pure scorer when he thinks he is. To be a pure scorer, you need to score. That's something he can't do. Without LeBron and AD, he's supposed to be the best player. Did not look like it. He was. He's still only scoring about 13 points a game. It's not bad for somebody who got picked 27th, but scoring 16 points a game your rookie season, and now when you're supposed to be better with better players, you're scoring 13 points a game, it is just not adding up for me. However, the Lakers actually did do one good thing this season. 
And that was give Talon Horton Tucker some playing time. That's right, it wasn't the Dennis Schroeder signing. It was actually playing one of their young guys. He's been a really good surprise, and I'll actually praise them for that. I'll, I'll give Frank Vogel some congratulations. You're playing somebody who deserves to play. He's honestly really good for where they got him. They got him in the second round. Like, the guy, he's no joke. He's a really good player. He just wasn't given a chance last year. And this year, with the injuries, he got his chance to shine, and he showed what he can do. Now, let me talk about the other joke that they signed this offseason, Dennis Schroeder. What were you thinking? He still thinks that he's the best player on the floor, even when one of the greatest players of all time is standing next to him. That's not true, Dennis. You need to learn how to play some basketball where you're the third option. Some nights, even the fifth. He's, he's solid for LeBron and AD because he can just pass him the ball and hope they make plays, but he's gone back to his Dennis Schroeder thing where he thinks, I'm the best player in the entire world and there's nobody who can stand next to me. He was like that in Atlanta. That's why he didn't work out there. That's why they kicked him out. He went to Oklahoma City, sat behind Chris Paul, actually learned that, hey, I'm not the best player in the world, goes to the bright city of LA, immediately thinks, hmm, look at me. I'm at the top of the world. Well, guess what, Dennis? You're not. You're not a number one option. All your other players are overrated too. You can't think that you're the best player and not be. Alex Caruso, Wesley Matthews, Caldwell Pope, all overrated. Like, I know I'm just going on a big rant here, but it's just because you talked all of this shit, all of the Laker fans, and they thought they were going to do so well, and now here they are, 7th. That 7th? That's not Lakers in 7. That's Lakers in 7th. Anyway, unfortunately for all of us who want them to lose, they're not going to lose. They're going to beat the Grizzlies. They'll luckily get the seventh seed because talent will prevail. LeBron James is back. Anthony Davis is back. And for all we know, they're going to be Denver in the first round. Or Utah. They're going to beat Utah in the first round. And they're going to, for some reason, make the NBA Finals again, which is my worst nightmare. Can we please have another team win? I do not want to see LeBron James in the playoffs. Can we please get him out somehow? Unfortunately, even though I don't want to see him, they'll get through and beat the Grizzlies, which sucks. I know I just spoiled it, but yeah, Memphis, you're up next, and I honestly don't think that you're going to beat the Lakers, but let's move on to you guys. Next up, like I said, we got the Memphis Grizzlies. Should have been, been another building block year where you guys move up. You get, like, the sixth seed, maybe, but you're back where you were last year, and unfortunately for you guys, again, you're missing out on the playoffs. Now, a big part of that was you didn't have Jaron Jackson Jr., who is your second best player. He had a bad injury. Luckily, he's back now, so maybe you guys can make some noise. However, I think that this year you just got to take it on the chin and bow out respectfully from maybe the seventh seed. Well, of course, I just said the Lakers are going to win that, but we know how it's going to go for you guys, honestly. It just happens all the time. John Morant was also out for a little bit too, which contributed to some of the losses. However, with that roster, you should have still been able to compete a little bit, maintain your spot until Jaw came back, which honestly, you did pretty well with who you had, but it just isn't enough, honestly. You need another building block here. You need another good pick. You need to develop Brandon Clark more. He's a really good bench player, but he should be starting for you at this point, not Kyle Anderson. Good job by Kyle, though. He held his own this year. Really good playmaker. Really good defender, really good rebounder. He also scored when he needed to, but mainly his role was the utility guy. 
Dylan Brooks had a really good year. He's finally starting to become what he was supposed to be in co- like he was in college. Jonas Valanciunas is just continuing to show that he's better off without the Toronto Raptors. He's honestly probably their second best player this year. Uh, another their other starter, Grayson Allen. He had, he had about ten per game. He had some really good games, but then again, he's had some really bad games. Which I do love Grayson Allen. He's a dookie. He's my guy. But honestly, you you, you need consistency at this point of the year. He can't be having two points per game, two point games, and then twenty five point games. If he can find a nice middle where he's scoring about fifteen a night, that's great for the Grizzlies. It's fifteen points they can use. Now. I think what they need to do personally to make that jump, you got to get rid of Kyle Anderson, or if you're getting rid of him, find a good trade piece. He's got good value right now. I think he's about 28 or 29. He might even be 26, somewhere between 26, 29. Not quite sure, but he's got good value. Find a good trade piece for him. Get another young star. Maybe a Zach Levine. That could be really interesting. Of course, you'd have to probably give up like Dylan Brooks. Grayson Allen, Kyle Anderson, probably some of your other younger guys as well. However, it's something that needs to happen. You need to get Jaw that third star. Not even just the third star. You need that third player. Every team needs a three. You need a good point guard. You need a good wing player, and you need a good post player. Luckily, if you put Zach Levine in that equation, you got your another good guard. You got your guy who can shoot. You got the guy who can score. You got the guy who in the post who can jump outside, hit threes, go in the post, score in the post. You got really athletic guys, and I think that's what Memphis could do. They could throw together a really athletic lineup where you have Brandon Clark, Zach Levine, if you do a trade for him, like I said, John Morant, Jaron Jackson. Even right now, they're still really athletic. Grayson Allen, Tyus Jones, Dylan Brooks. They have these really solid role players, but that's all they are. They're just role players. They're not stars. They're not superstars. You got to get another superstar. That's what every team needs. There's guys on these really bad teams where you can go, hey, what's his asking price? This? How about this? You just got to do it. You can't be scared. You got to go get it. Now, unfortunately for them, they're, well, my prediction for them is in the playoffs here, they're going to take. They're gonna have to respectfully bow out out of the eighth seed. I think that the Warriors or the Spurs, I'll talk about them in a minute, are going to bounce over them. So... Unfortunately for you, Memphis, but it's just got to be another building block here. You might even take, you might even need to take another one next year. But fingers crossed, you stay healthy and you can maybe bounce up to the sixth because the playing tournament is most likely going to stay. Now, time for the team that has one good player, but for some reason they're still in the playing games. Ladies and gentlemen, the Golden State Warriors. Um, let me just say this: uh, Steph Curry, Curry. Stephen Curry, Wardell Stephen Curry the second, and uh, did I say Steph Curry? Yeah, that guy. He's pretty fucking good, isn't he? He is the best player this season in the NBA. He is the only reason that they are in the playing games, and there are some games where he's scoring like sixty points, and they win by like forty, and then there's other games where he scores like forty points, and they lose. By 30. There's no in between. He does everything he can do. But for them, it's just... It's just all the role players that aren't stepping up. Um, They actually did have a really good draft pick this year, too. They had number two pick, took James Wiseman. He panned out really well. He's honestly the player they shouldn't have taken. I mean, they should have taken. My bad. 
They shouldn't have taken LaMelo Ball, which they didn't. Congrats on them. LaMelo's in a really good situation himself anyway. Um, and James Wiseman, who was their pick, was playing really well. Um, prayers up to him. He does have a bad injury right now. Hopefully he gets better soon. He's not going to come back this year, but next year, going to be a big leap for him. Curry's going to be playing. They'll finally get Clay Thompson back after two years. They'll have to get rid of Draymond Green at some point. That guy's just running around playing defense, which isn't bad, honestly. I've got to give props to Draymond for this year. He's become, like, really good again. He's not scoring efficiently. He lost his shooting touch, but still, he knows how to score. He knows how to make plays, and he knows how to play defense and get rebounds. That's all you need right now. You need to get Curry to score. You need to get Curry to score. You need to get Curry to score, and you need to get Draymond to do all the other little things. You got all these other guys like Matthew Mulder, Jordan Poole, Nico Mannion. You need those guys to come in. Maybe each of them score like six points, but then you need your other bigger players. You need them to go out and score like at least 10. You, you got to give Curry some sort of help here. The whole basketball world wishes he could go out and score 100 points a game. He's so fun to watch. He just runs around screens, pops threes in people's faces, hits the most ridiculous shots, and then still goes down the court with a smile on his face. He's just loving life out there playing basketball. You know what? He's having fun this year being the guy. It ha it's been a long time for him, but he's finally back to being the guy. Next year, I think that the Warriors are going to be really scary. They're going to have a mid round selection this year they're gonna have curry they're gonna have clay thompson who's just eager to get back out there he is going to be a man on a mission draymond green is going to be back to his role of just passing getting rebounds playing defense scoring a little bit which is what he's doing but he has to score more now and he just can't so he's gonna be back to doing what he was they're gonna have all these younger guys who had these two years to develop ready to step in and make their roles so they're gonna have another good run at it well not another good run they had their run of dominance they'll have another run at a title next year which i think is really awesome for them but like this year though with memphis you got to take this one on the chin you got to go win these games which everybody wants you to we all want to see curry in the playoffs but you're going to go in the playoffs you're probably going to be the eighth seed well that's the only thing you can get right now you can only get the eighth seed but i think you are going to be the eighth seed you're going to take it on the chin from utah probably maybe even win a few games on them if they beat utah holy shit i don't know what to think it's a chance that's what i can say it's a chance they could beat utah um but if you do beat utah you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot honestly you need to get a better draft pick win some games at games against utah get your younger guys some playoff experience that's all you really need to do honestly curry curry has his experience draymond green has his experience you got all these other guys with some but you need to get those guys who haven't been there yet some experience so that you can finally make that step next year to have one last go at it contest the top teams in the west give them a good smacking let them know what it's like to have the splash brothers back and then go win another title please just pretty please i want to see you guys win again it was so fun watching you guys all healthy. Just stay healthy, please. I want to see Clay again. It's been too long. Anyway, we got one team left, so let's hop right into them. We got the 10th seed, San Antonio Spurs. How are these guys not dead yet? They, I saw them burn and die myself. They were getting trashed by teams. But somehow, here they are on DeMar DeRozan's back. He's taking years off his life to drag them to the 10th seed in the playing games. Oh my god. I have to give that guy so much credit. 
He has done so much for this team. After getting traded away from Toronto, the team who put all their faith in him kicked him out for a one-year replacement. And now here he is, still kicking on San Antonio, dragging the team around, and he's doing all he can. But San Antonio honestly should have just taken this one on and said, this year wasn't our year. Let's get these younger guys some more playing time. Let's get them better next year. We got to do the same thing. But the year after that, we can start making more contests for the playoffs. They got these solid young future pieces in Trey Jones, Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, Jakob Pertl. Um, those guys are all going to be really good. I didn't mention Azante Murray because he doesn't look like he knows what he's doing with their half the time. He looks like he's just going around trying to make drama and start fights with people, which you can't be doing as an NBA player. You have to be able to say, what I'm doing isn't right. I need to go take a look at myself. And he had, I think, one good season, and his confidence went through the roof, which he shouldn't have done. He should have said, I need to build on this season and not think I'm this hot piece of shit because that's what he plays like. He plays like he's a piece of shit. He honestly he can't shoot. He's supposed to make plays. He can't make plays. He turns the ball over way too much. Doesn't know how to score. He just knows how to be an idiot, which many teams have that idiot. And unfortunately for the Spurs, it's their starting point guard. I do think Keldon Johnson and Jakob Pertl have made great jumps and great moves in their NBA careers. Keldon, lots of people think he got drafted a little too high coming out of Kentucky, but he's proved them wrong. He's had a really good season. Even last year, too, his rookie year, he had an okay season, but this year he's improved and jumped on it. The rookie pieces like Devin Vassell and Trey Jones. Trey Jones hasn't seen a whole lot of action, but he was first team all G League when he was in the G League bubble. So he played really well there, came back, he's playing more. Vassell, he didn't go down to the bubble, he stayed up with the Spurs, he played really well as well. So they got some good pieces for the future, but honestly all I can ask about them is how long can you go with trying to fight your way for these last playing games? When are you going to say, I got to take some time off and just say, you know, we got to go take this one out and we just got to throw this all in the fire, play our young guys and get them better. Pop, I love you, but you know what's right. You got to do what's right, man. Spurs, you guys aren't going to beat the Warriors. I don't care how hard you try. You'll stay at number 10. You won't make the playoffs. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Brayden Redshaw Podcast. Hope you guys really enjoyed. I'm really excited to have a consistent schedule now, now that I've got more time. You'll be getting one episode a week, sometimes two, but I hope you guys really do enjoy. Please send me any information or any ideas that you have. I'd love to have some other ideas come in. I do have some plans to do some soccer ones, um, some plans to do some more NBA ones as the playoffs come around, and we'll see what else can happen from here. So once again, thank you guys so much. Um, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, Nova Scotia is currently in a provincial-wide shutdown. So if you are from Nova Scotia and you do take a listen to this, please stay home. Everybody wants to have a summer. We all want to have some fun eventually. Get out of our houses, see our friends again. We can't really do that right now. But everybody, just please stay safe. If you do go out, please wear your mask. Get tested if you if you do think you've been somewhere. And if you know you've been somewhere that has been an exposure site, please get tested. It, it doesn't take very long. You get the results back fast. It's the right thing to do. Wear your masks, sanitize your hands. Everybody stay safe. Once again, I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And it's been Braden. It's been a pleasure to have you guys again. And thanks for listening. See you guys later.